Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. No matter where you are, no matter what time it is, it's a great day to be serving the Lord. Welcome to the Go Ye There podcast. I'm your host, Leland Johnson, and we are excited to have you with us today. Among the questions that missionaries ask each other when starting deputation, what's your strategy always makes the list. Let's head into the open. In Acts 21, Luke gives a list of their travels. He says, And we came with a straight course unto Coos, and the following day unto Rhodes, and from thence to Patara, and finding a ship sailing over unto Phoenicia, we went aboard and set forth. Now when we had discovered Cyprus, we left it on the left hand and sailed to Syria and landed at Tyre. Any good missionary has a list of travels a lot like that one. From one meeting to the next, from one place to the next, and sometimes you wake up in the morning and lay there for a minute just trying to remember whose bed you're in and what city you're in. Invariably, in conversations among missionaries, Alaska and Hawaii always come up, along with the best strategy for covering the U.S. In today's episode, we're going to talk with Pastor Terry McGovern, who pastors in Alaska, and Pastor Wayne Surface, who pastors in Hawaii. We're also going to play devil's advocate with the best strategy for covering the mainland of the U.S. Let's get started. Pastor Terry McGovern has served as the pastor of Independent Baptist Church of Anchorage since 2015. Before serving in this capacity, he and his family served as church planting missionaries in Papua New Guinea for 14 years. But before becoming a missionary, he was the assistant pastor of the Independent Baptist Church of Anchorage for five years. While not being born in Alaska, he spent many years there, and having sat on both sides of the desk, he makes a great guest for us to talk to today about our topic. Pastor McGovern, it's great to have you with us today. Well, it's great to be here. I, I appreciate you calling and, and hope I can be of help. You know, Pastor, I don't think that there's many missionaries that have done deputation that have not questioned whether or not they should try to raise support in Alaska. Of course, many missionaries are advised to kind of keep a more regional approach to deputation, which normally would end that thought. Can you give us an idea of how often you get requests from missionaries to come for meetings? Well, we probably get more requests than what people realize. We certainly do not get the same amount of requests that a church in the south or in the east would get, but we get a decent amount of requests. I'll receive about... uh, I don't know, maybe one to five in a month of requests for missionaries wanted to come through for a meeting. Would you describe the amount as too many, too few, or about right for your area? Oh, I don't think we'd have too many, that's for sure. Um, we certainly would like to see more come through. I know, I'd say even probably last January, February, I think I had one missionary scheduled during those two months last year. Many missionaries feel that the cost of going to Alaska is too high to even consider. What would you say to that? 
Well, one, I, I would think it'd be dangerous if you're on deputation to not even consider being here simply because of finances. I would certainly seek the Lord and seek his guidance and, and prayer. And uh, there's certainly ways you can do this very economically when you do come up to Alaska. I mean, the Lord can certainly use economics to close that door, um, but I would certainly seek him. I mean, there's some good churches up here. Um, there's ways to get here economically. You know, flying is going to be much more economical than driving. You know, with mileage plans today and and buddy passes, um, you you know, and coming at the right time of the year, you, you really could come up here fairly cheap. Maybe getting round trip tickets for four and five hundred apiece. Wow, most missionaries, including myself, know very little about churches in Alaska. Are there open doors to present the ministry and share what God has called us to do there? There's several mission-minded churches here in the state. See, keep in mind, different than the lower 48, many of the churches that were started here were started by missionaries, including the church that I pastor. So there, there's not only that, you have a lot of military churches here who have traveled the world and, and have seen what it's like in different cultures. So, yeah, there, there's, we don't nearly have the concentration of churches like the lower 48. I mean, there's probably more churches in a two-block area of Chattanooga than there are in our entire state. Um, but the churches that are here are very missions-minded. What would you say is the best strategy for a missionary who wants to raise support in Alaska? Well, if it's me and I'm come up and I'm come up here to the state, um, I would I would try and plan it at about a two week time frame to try and hit eight churches in those two weeks. Come in on a Friday or Saturday, hitting two churches that that Sunday, a church that Wednesday, two more churches the following Sunday, that Wednesday, and then that third Sunday, two more. Um, that way, one, if, if I do have some uh, hotel costs to, to incur, it shouldn't be that many nights. And there are prophets' chambers here. Just in our area, within an hour of us, three of us churches, we do have prophets' chambers for missionaries to use. Um, and considering that I might have some hotel costs, I would not come in the summer. I would not do it. The hotel cost in the summer is absolutely outrageous here in Alaska. But if you come before Memorial Day or after Labor Day, that cost, you know, is very reasonable for a hotel here. Um, I would also consider coming more in January, February, March. Our busy time is uh, the fall and spring. Fall is pretty good to come to. We do have a lot of mission conferences at that time. I, I would consider the mission conference window to hit here in the state. Uh, but, yeah, I would try and plan about a two-week window covering three Sundays. Pastor, do churches ever work together there so that if I'm going to be with one church, I can network with other churches during that same time? Yes, that's one thing that's unique about us, different than Lower 48. We understand that some of the logistical problems have. And so um, a lot of times, some, some key churches, I think ours right here at Independent Baptist Church of Anchorage, as well as Bible Baptist in Fairbank. And so, yeah, we certainly do try and help each other out with the missionaries. We understand why they're here. They want to try and hit as many churches as they can. So, yeah, there, there is a decent network set up for that. Pastor, just one more question, and, and we'll get you finished up. Since you have had the opportunity to not only be a missionary, but also to be a pastor. You understand how difficult deputation can be. Can you just give a little word of wisdom to a missionary who is seeking to raise support right now as to uh, something that they can do to keep them going? Sure. As a matter of fact, I'll give you the piece that carried me. I mean, my family, since we're leaving Alaska, I mean, our region was Alaska. So clearly we had to figure out how we were going to get deputation done. And we decided we, we bought an older motor home. And, and me and my wife had four children at the time. We moved in that thing, and that was home for the next 18 months. 
And so as we're traveling that entire time living out of a motorhome for 18 months, the one thing that really helped me was this. Before I left, my pastor told me, who came here to Alaska as a missionary back in the 70s, he had said, you know, the Lord's called you. Your support's already raised then. He goes, you look at this as ministry. When you're ready for it, you'll have the support. And that carried me through. We looked at it as ministry, going from place to place to place to place. And in 18 months, our support was raised, and we were ready to go. Pastor, thank you so much for your time. I know that the information is going to be a blessing to the missionaries that listen. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Hope it is. Thank you. Pastor Wayne Surface is the pastor of the Ohana Baptist Church in Honolulu, Hawaii. In the over 30 years since he founded it, the church has grown to an average attendance of over 350 and supports missionaries around the world in spreading the gospel. Pastor Surface, it's great to have you with us today. Good to be here. Aloha from Hawaii. You know, Pastor, many missionaries, when they're doing deputation, are advised to keep to a regional approach, which obviously wouldn't normally include Hawaii. How often do you get requests from missionaries in order to come for a meeting? I get emails weekly and phone calls on a regular basis as well, inquiring about coming here. A lot of them are contacting us because they think Hawaii's probably an untapped area and that they might have a, a greater opportunity for making connections here. Would you describe the amount of calls that you receive as too few, too many, or about right for, for your church? I, I don't know that I could describe them in that way because as a former missionary, I know what it's like to try to raise support, and I don't mind being contacted. I think that the general calls are not effective and not helpful because they just get lost in the crowd. I think the personal touch is much better. And to have a reason for calling me makes it even better when they know someone that knows me or knows a, our church in the area or uh, is going to be traveling through the area or something like that. You know, most missionaries know very little about churches in Hawaii. Are there open doors to present the ministry and share the burden for the mission field there? There are open doors to share here. The problem is, is that we don't have a a large pool of, of churches, and many of them are on the smaller side, uh, running 100 or less. And so the amount of money available is limited, and, and the number of churches are limited. And so because of that, I, I do discourage missionaries from just coming to Hawaii to raise support. I think it's better if they have a reason to be here, whether they're traveling through on the way to visit the mission field or they already know someone here are coming to uh, speak at their church, or they've got a free trip with family or somebody's offered to send them to Hawaii, because I, I don't want them to spend more money coming here than they're going to necessarily receive or be able to raise and support, because most of the churches, again, are the size. They've already got missionaries, and they're supporting missionaries, and usually they're ones that the pastor knows or somebody in the church knows or some connection with. Do churches there normally work together that if you have a missionary coming in, you're able to get in with a few of the other churches there, or is it more of an independent approach? A little bit of both. Uh, usually if I have somebody coming, I'll give them the names of the churches, and they can usually set up at least three or four meetings or vice versa. If somebody's already coming here for another church, then I'm more likely to use them. 
than if they're just going to come here on their own uh, and I don't know them. So I think that having a church that you're connected with already, especially here, is a good way to start because then you've usually got a place to stay, you've got a place to base out of, and that recommendation will open up doors with other churches as well. Hawaii is probably one of the most expensive states in the country. Of course, first you've got the cost of just getting here. And if you're going to pay for you and your wife and your kids, it can add up. Um, and then on top of that, uh, housing people, not all churches have a, a profits chamber, so housing them can be difficult and expensive. And um, and for the churches themselves, there's a high cost of living here. Um, the average housing is about twice what it is most people places in the mainland, if not three or four times higher. Um, the cost of our buildings for our churches is high. Uh, we were paying it before we bought the buildings we're in now, we were paying $16,000 a month in rent. And so uh, the expense here is very high, and that makes it more difficult to support missions, and it makes it more difficult to bring one over here and, to, and the cost of that. And so, again, I think it's very important for the missionary to consider the cost of coming over here and the connections that they have. You know, Pastor, many people, even missionaries, see Hawaii as a paradise. Can you tell us a little bit more about the spiritual condition? Hawaii is a paradise, but it's paradise lost. We probably, as a percentage, have fewer churches here than most states across the mainland. There's a greater need here. And again, because of the cost of living and the distance and the cultural barriers, it can be very difficult to start a work here. We have started a project called the Hukila Project in 2010, and our goal with that project is to start 10 new churches in 10 years. We are actually at church number seven now. Um, we've got three others that are raising support to come out here, and so we're trying to change that and uh, to expand the outreach and the ministry here in the islands as well. Wow, Pastor, that, that's excellent. Thank you for sharing the information that you did with us. It is certainly a great blessing to hear from you and to learn a little bit more about missions in Hawaii. You're welcome. Sometimes there's two valid sides to an argument that need to be discussed. In this segment, me and my co-host, missionary Wes Pala, each take a side of an interesting argument and try and show the pros and cons of taking a particular course of action. Keep in mind that anytime we air this segment, the goal is to explore both sides, not necessarily to argue for the side that we hold. We hope that you enjoy. Joining us today is our favorite devil's advocate contrarian, Wes Palop. Wes, it's great to have you back with us today. Always a joy to banter with you, sir. You know, Wes, most missionary agencies, when you're talking about deputation, recommend taking a very specific regional focus. And I think there's a good reason for that. When you take a regional focus, you're able to rifle in on a particular area. You're able to go there. You're able to set up shop. You're able to talk with pastors, let them know that you're in the area, try and get into different churches while you're there. And then once you've worked the area, you're able to move on to the next area. And, you know, it seems to me that this is really a good system to get deputation done. Now, I'm not taking anything away from the experience of many, many missions, agencies, and boards and anything, but I think that's another one of those areas of missions and the missionary life that sounds much better in theory than it ends up playing out in practice. 
if I am called to the mission field, if I've got a place that I'm trying to get to to serve the Lord and, and, and you know, send the light of the gospel into a dark area, then part of that in, in my thinking and my planning and, and my goals is to get there as quickly as possible. And if that means I have to jump around, if that means I've got an open door over here, but then I'm going to have to travel a little farther because I've got an open door over there, well, I've got open doors. So why not take what's available to me, take advantage of every opportunity when it comes up so that I can get to the field that much quicker? Well, I, I think that makes sense in theory, but you also have the, your family that's traveling along with you. Potentially, you have schooling for the kids that needs to be done. And if you take that systematic approach, it allows you to go into an area, put down a little bit of roots there for a couple of weeks to give your family the opportunity to do what they need to do, and then you can move on. It, it seems like with all the other pressures that a missionary has, that the, that way really does make sense. Well, it might help you with your family as far as your movements and your schooling and all that, but it's also going to hurt your family, I think, because then if you take that approach, there's a good chance that your deputation time frame is going to be that much longer. Because if I'm only going to work in this specific area right now, am I really going to turn down that meeting of a pastor who calls me and wants us to come and present our ministry at their missionary conference? Am I really going to turn down a high probability of support because I'm not in that area yet. I mean, you know, yeah, okay, so you want to take your family into consideration. Take into consideration how long, how many years are you going to have to haul your family around to all these different places? The goal is to get it done quickly. Your family is going to, should be understanding, they're going to realize that this is a temporary thing. And the goal is if we attack this with everything we have right now, the time frame is going to be shorter as opposed to looking at four, five, six years. Let's say that I've got a family of myself, my wife, and three kids. With taking the approach that you're talking about, buying plane tickets, spending money on a rental car when we get there, turning around and having to pay for hotel rooms and all of these different types of things, the cost for doing it that way, even if I can complete it maybe a little bit faster, really is enormous compared to the cost of taking a more systematic, measured-out approach. There may be some times when a church, maybe even a sizable church, is, is trying to get us out there to their conference, and so they're going to defray a large portion of those travel costs. So I, I don't want to attack deputation and go into deputation with the mentality that every single expense of getting anywhere is only going to fall on me. Secondly, when you say cost, I, I don't need to look at deputation as a cost. I need to look at it as an investment. And like any good investment in life, yes, you are going to have to put some money into it, but you go into that with the understanding that putting money into it, you are going to be at some point getting money out of it as well. And the dividends of deputation, no matter what I spend to get to any meeting, that church takes us on and we're looking at you know $100 a month of support. In a short amount of time, all the money that I spent to get to that meeting – I will have made it back on their monthly support, and then I've got a partnership of 25, 30, 40 years, and I'm in the black from there on out. Well, you're in the black until you have to come back on furlough, 
because every time you come back on furlough, if you followed that system of more of a scattered approach, a shotgun approach to deputation, you're going to be bouncing around. Let's say you come back for four or five months on, on furlough and you've got a church in Miami, Florida. You've got a church in Seattle, Washington. You've got a church in California. You've got a church in Maine. You're going to repay those costs over and over again when you're on furlough to get back to those churches. You're putting that extra stress on your family that you're going to have to run back and forth and be and things will be crazy because you're running all around the country to visit these churches. When I come back on furlough, I'm not bound by any contractual agreement to visit churches in the same order that I visit them when I was originally on deputation. So just because I bounced all over the place on deputation doesn't mean I couldn't take a, a somewhat more logical approach on furlough. And churches are usually very accommodating when missionaries are coming back to give those updates and visits. But if you want to talk about how we're going to do our furloughs, you might end up risking having to take additional furloughs or an emergency furlough if you've put all of your eggs in too few baskets. You know, the same people that argue that, oh, you need uh, a, a generous number of supporting churches as opposed to just a few churches supporting you for high amounts, because that way, if one church goes awry or has to decrease or drop you or whatever, then, uh, you know, you're not in a financial bind. Well, the same thing with my furlough. Let's say that I've limited myself to only one or two regions of the country when I did deputation. Well, what happens if the major economic foundation of that particular region, what happens if they struggle or they suffer? You know, what happens if I've got a lot of churches in the Appalachians that support me, and those are churches that are frequented by coal miners and, and people in that industry? And as that industry comes under more and more environmental pressure, jobs begin to uh, disappear, and people don't have the same amount to tithe on, to give, or they end up moving away to go and find work somewhere. And if all of my churches are in one certain area that gets hit hard economically, I may have to come back for additional furloughs just to try and get churches in another area. Well, I think that the biggest thing that we have to remember is that you have to figure out what's going to work best for you and what's going to work best for your family. I think both systems have their merits, but it really comes down to the individual missionary praying, making a plan, and then working hard on that plan to achieve the desired results. I would agree with you there. And I think it's very important, no matter which approach you take, you do it well and you do it purposefully. So whether you decide to do this methodical rifle approach or if you get a box of shells and go out and start shooting everything up with your shotgun, whatever you do, you've got to do it on purpose, do it well, and do it with the end goal in mind, which is I've got to get to the field, to the ministry that God has called. Amen. Thank you for joining us, Wes. Well, that's going to do it for today's show and for this interval of shows as well. We're going to be taking next week off and returning on March 12th with a new set of shows that we're very excited about. We're looking forward to being with you again soon.